What up, y'all? It's your boy Kevin on stage, and I want to tell you about Black Married and Debt Free, okay? They're a couple that paid off $110,000 in debt in 2017, and now they want to educate and inspire millennial couples to do the same. So what I want y'all to do is subscribe to their page. Go on YouTube, go on Instagram, and get the following going at Black Married Debt Free. It's everywhere, all right? So if y'all don't want to be broke no more, you want to be debt free in victory. Then go follow them, Google them, look them up, and see what they're talking about because don't nobody want to be broke. You feel me? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's good, everybody? This is Marcus from Black Mary Death Free, and you are checking out our quick cast. Let's get it. What's going on, everybody? This is Marcus, and I would like to welcome you to another episode of the quick cast powered by the Black Married and Debt Free Network. I am very happy to be here. I am very happy to be here with you all. This is the midweek dose of the quick cast. Uh, of the Black Mirror Death Free Podcast. Uh, our main episode drops on Sunday morning, Monday evening. Welcome, welcome, welcome to our new listeners. And welcome back to uh, our continued listeners. Thank you for your support. If you could do us a huge favor, um, and that's leave us a five-star review on whatever platform you listen to this podcast. If you haven't already, we really appreciate it uh, more than you know. This helps make us more visible on Mr algorithm so thank you in advance for that we got a lot to get to uh, i got a lot to get to today some interesting things and with the quick cast uh, if you're new this is when i really get to delve into different topics um sometimes rapid fire but mostly i get to take things that are happening in the economy and make them palatable to you who may not be able to you know stay current with all the happenings in the u.s economy so let's we're going to get straight to it first of all before we get started uh if you've been keeping track of this this submarine thing unfortunately the passengers aboard this tiny submarine that goes to like voyage the titanic or whatever they didn't survive uh we found that out today shire's been keeping telling me about this since day one like like five days ago or whatever and i was just like okay okay and then the internet starts starts taking it and running with it and then today we find out that uh there were no survivors so prayers out to the family uh some people say man is this a distraction are they distracting us from other things i'm not that cynical i mean they have the folks they have pictures and things of the people that were on board so it's just like i think it's real you know what i mean so Definitely your prayers out to the family and all that. Um, sad to hear about that today or, or hear about that earlier this morning. Let's get to some other news in the economy. We know that some experts are saying we've been in a recession. Some ex experts say there's a recession to come. 
well, we have some data that shows, yes, if if we're not in a recession yet, it's coming. And if we are in a recession, the worst is yet to come. So we're going to unpack some different things in regards to the U.S. curve inversion. Uh, an article from Yahoo Finance that chronicles the U.S. curve inversion says uh, the U.S. curve inversion deepens to one percent, one percentage point after Powell. Powell, uh, we've talked about Jerome Powell, the chair of the Fed. He came out last week and they did not raise interest rates. They, according to their metrics, the uh, inflation had dropped to 4%. Their goal is to get it around 2%. Their metric shows that it was at 4%. That's heavily debated as to which metrics they were using CPI or um, core inflation. There's two different charts. One, one factors in food and energy and one doesn't. And there's some skepticism because sometimes the fed will use different metric when when they want to deter, you know, to determine what moves they want to make. Right. So in any, in, 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 in any way, they, they say that inflation is, was at 4%, which gave them cause to pause the raising of interest. Right. They think they're making progress. So they was like, you know, we're going to pause it. Marcus went crazy. Everyone was excited, but he has since said that, Hey, we're going to move with caution. There will be raises still to come this year. We're not turning around and pivoting quite just quite yet. So we're, we'll talk about that uh, perhaps a little later. But I want to really get into this U.S. curve inversion. So this is something that's new to me. So I'm sh I'm sure maybe new to some of you all out there. So it, it's a, a yield curve inversion. Uh, it takes place when the longer term yields fall much faster than short term yields. We're going to break that down. This happens when there is a surge in demand for long term government bonds, i.e. 10 year U.S. Treasury bond compared to short term bonds. Uh, my studies also show that an inverted yield curve occurs when yields on shorter dated treasuries rise above those for long-term treasuries. Now, is an, is an inverted yield curve good or bad? Okay, thank you, Marcus. What, what does that mean for the economy? Well, historically, an inverted yield curve has been viewed as an indicator of a pending economic recession. When short-term interest rates exceed long-term rates, market sentiments suggest that the long-term outlook is poor and that yields offered by long-term fixed income will continue to fall. So we're really seeing a lot of indicators, man. Like, it's just like, it's just like, like if you don't sleep well, right? Let's say you, 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 you've gone years without getting your eight 
plus hours of sleep nightly, right? Let's say you, you know, man, I grind, you know what I mean? I'm always grinding. And you sleep five hours a night or whatever, four hours a night. And you could do that for five, six years. You might be good for some years. Eventually, it's going to catch up with you. Eventually, your body will start showing signs of fatigue. If that's uh, headaches or migraines, if that's, um, you know, brain fog or just body fatigue or soreness or you like your body will give you little signs to say, hey, man, we about to get we getting ready to go through something because you haven't because I've been experiencing trauma. And that's what we're seeing here with the economy. We've been experiencing trauma, the, the inflation, the the hyperinflation and then the hyper moves to combat inflation which is which is changing the interest rates also affects the economy these are all things that are like traumatic things to the body right and now we're showing signs through testing and metrics that yo something bad is on the horizon something bad is on the horizon so Let's 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 dig a little deeper here. So the process of getting in. Uh, this is a quote from. Uh, from. Uh, I believe it's from Jerome Powell. The process of getting inflation down to two percent has a long way to go, he told the House Financial Services Committee during the three hour hearing. He says. Uh, um, it also goes on to say U.S. stock prices slid as investors took. The chair's message of tightening credit conditions on board with technical, I'm sorry, with technology company shares in particular shedding some of their recent steep gains. Okay, let's go. Let's keep going here. Uh, some folks say it was complicated messaging issue last week. So he did one thing by not raising the, the interest rates and then he, he wanted to it's almost like they want the best of both worlds, like right? They don't want people to just go out and start spending because we didn't we didn't raise the interest. But there was enough outcry of the need to or the want to stop raising interest that he did that. But then he also had to say, hey, we're going to we may raise them again later, though. So don't get your hopes all up. So it's like he's talking out. He's talking out of both sides of his mouth. But what this curve shows is that. Or what this this uh, this report shows is that, yo, we're in for it. Historically, when this happens, we're it's an indicator of a, of a, a deep, dark recession. So we're not out of the woods yet, y'all. We're not out of the woods yet. You know, me and Shire, we, we have many conversations about why our messaging will will become more and more important. And you will hear more people in the financial literacy space preaching the basics because we're getting into a time where you know it's not going to be easy to just start an LLC and uh, get people to give you their money because folks are not going to have money it's not going to be easy to just uh, be able to like uh, trade you know become a, a, a trader in the market and make money every day you know it's not going to be very it's not going to be easy to do that in the coming weeks and months. Uh, I wanted to see what some folks were saying 
in the comment section here. Uh, Someone says higher rates are coming, whether good or bad. Inflation is still out there. Groceries and housing are key issue. Exactly. Stocks seem immune to interest rates and uh, economic growth. I wonder why this is very interesting. Uh, very interesting perspective. And, and, and as we've learned over the years, the stock market and the economy work very differently right like uh, we're, we're like i said last week on our podcast we're up 14 percent in the market um investing in the s p 500 index we're up 14 percent on this year i have no clue why because interest is is low and and people are people don't have money and like it's all bad in the real world but in the stock market for some reason this year it's been good so just that's a very good good point uh let's see someone says still talking about like how expensive things is most items in costco are 50 to 100 percent the only item with the same price over the years have been broiled chicken uncooked yo that's crazy because uh any folks that go to winco uh this is for if you got a if you got a potluck and you need to get some you need to bring some chicken, uh, black folks, we know we gonna hit up Winco because Winco got fried chicken that tastes like Big Mama cooked it, and Winco chicken a twelve piece at my in our city has been the same price for about a hundred years. <laughs> That's the only thing that has served to be inflation proof is winco fried chicken you know what i'm saying but uh yeah so we're definitely going to be keeping an eye on this uh someone says no one believes the lying fed yeah it's uh you have to study this for yourself you can't just take jerome powell's word for what's going on in the market and and the, and the positive or negative outlooks in the market, you have to like do your own research. I hate to say that that's become a um, kind of a corny phrase, but you have to, because you just, you just never know. You can't take anybody's word for anything anymore. You know what I mean? So I wanted to talk about this uh, shout out to friend of the pod, uh, Anthony O'Neill. If uh, you, you, new to the pod you may not know but he's been on this podcast we've been on his podcast he's has a very successful show youtube show uh former dave ramsey personality uh oh it seems like an overall cool dude man from the little bit we've interacted with him uh but he had a interesting post on his youtube talking about men and how he feels men, I don't want to misquote him, but I'm paraphrasing. Men should be making six figures. Uh, that six figure mark. And so, you know, I went in the comment section because I'm like, man, this is going, this is clickbaity, right? This is, this is going to spark some dialogue. So I go in the comment section and, you know, it's a lot of, uh, they say brothers that didn't agree. You know, and I was kind of, you know, I mean, I, I'm kind of like, I don't know about this one, man. I mean, 
ideally, yeah, ideally, uh, men should make seven figures. Ideally, men should make eight figures. Like, of course, but what is the reality? We see the numbers and we know brothers or men in general or just individuals in general don't like that's 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 um there's not a lot of people that make that type of money right but then i looked at his video because i i don't want to be those people that just look at the clickbait thing and then don't don't look at the whole conversation that's around it because a lot of times on youtube it's something with the link to the real video and then you watch the video in this entirety so watching the video in his entirety there were way more things he said around that statement to like that that made it less uh what's the word i'm looking for less polarizing of a statement like if you listen to the whole conversation it's like okay he's making some great points you know what i'm saying so shout out to him and his platform and everything but um that sparked a thought because this whole six figure mark has been a topic of conversation, especially in uh, the the male community, the manosphere. He's like, yo, man, men got to make six figures, and and then you have folks that say, well, it's it's really hard. That's really hard to do, and so you've had you have this debate on both sides of the of this fence, but I saw this article that really kind of speaks to like we're getting to a a point where you really if you want to survive you're going to have to increase your income regardless to if it's a six-figure mark if it's uh whatever but the years of like making thirty-five thousand, i remember when that was like yo man i make thirty-five thousand a year like what okay and then it was 50 like man if you make fifty thousand dollars a year yo like you live in great middle class life and then it was it's just keep creeping up you know and now it's to the point now where like six figures is sounds it sounded crazier but it's like to the point where it's like yeah you kind of almost have to figure out a way to get six plus six plus figures to really stay in the american middle class so what we're gonna do we're gonna go through and we're going to talk about, do you actually make enough to be considered middle class in these cities? We're going to go down these cities and really talk about this. So uh, the middle class has long been considered the backbone of American economy, but the American middle class is shrinking. I've talked about this before. The percentage of adults living in the mi- in living in middle class income households in the United States fell by more than 10 percentage points over the last 50 years indicating an ongoing shrinking of the middle class. I'm gonna pause here, man. We live in a very, we live in probably the second, maybe now the third best suburb in the in our county. And you know, you 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 and I'm using those metrics based on the the school um the school system you know the 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 aesthetic of the neighborhoods you know and just kind of like uh you know an assessment of 
you know, friends and family and people that live in the county, like what, what are the best, you know, like we kind of have an idea for, for where our neighborhood fits in that. And, you know, we aspire to be here. you right. Like we wanted to quote unquote, move up a little bit and, and kind of settle in a, and what we consider one of the better neighborhoods and one of the better suburbs in the county. And man, what we're seeing is that people are getting priced out of this neighborhood and uh, our homelessness is growing significantly. And I can't help but think because we're so far out in, in the suburbs of the city that, that these homeless folks are here. They're not just my migrating here. I believe that they're folks that were once able to live in this part of our city that are being priced out. And so this is uh this article really is hitting home. So it says to find the true pulse of today's middle class smart asset calculated the bounds on middle class earnings in 100 of the largest cities as well as all 50 states. So we're really going to dig into this here. So here's some of the key findings. Northeastern salaries, so northeast, we're talking New York, uh, you know, Philadelphia, New Jersey, you know, uh, Boston or Massachusetts, all all up there, right? Northeastern salaries are about 20% higher than southern salaries, even after accounting for cost of living differences. The northeast dominates the top 10 highest middle class salaries, with many middle class salaries between 60,000 to 170,000. Meanwhile, the same middle class brackets fall between about 35,000 to 100,000 in many southern states. While the top placing northeast states uh cost roughly 50,000 more, I'm sorry. Let's read that again. While the top placing north Eastern states cost roughly 50% more to live in that the lower ranking uh, Southern states, the middle-class salary range sits about 70% higher. Wow. Uh, it also says the middle-class and NYC aren't making enough to keep up with the cost of living while other notoriously pricey cities like San Francisco, shout out to the Bay area and Seattle have a middle-class income that trends closely with the general cost of living. That's definitely interesting. So what we're going to do is look at some of these cities. All right. So the number one city where they, 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 they said it's, it's getting the middle classes is uh, having a lot of issues is Fremont, California, Fremont is uh, a Bay Area city. Fremont has the highest minimum threshold for middle class, which is at 104K, going all the way to 312,000. So to be considered middle class, you must be making 104 to 312,000. Households here need a minimum income of 104 to be considered middle class. Fremont's proximity to the high-paying jobs of Silicon Valley contributes to its high median 
income. Wow. All right. Next is San Jose, California, another Bay Area city. San Jose is the third largest city in California, a home to high profile technology companies, including Adobe, Cisco Systems, eBay, PayPal and Zoom. I think Facebook used to be. Or Google, one of them used to be in a lot of them used to be there. So. In order to be considered middle class in San Jose, you need to be making somewhere between a household income of eighty four thousand to two hundred and fifty two. Now, that's a wide gap. But eighty four seems a little doable, um, man. So let's go to. Let's see, I'm kind of scrolling through some of these. Uh, San Francisco. All right, San Francisco. While some large tech companies are based in San Francisco, including Salesforce, Uber, and Twitter, the city is also home to non-tech brands like Wells Fargo and Gap. Middle-class households here earn between eighty-one and two hundred and forty-three thousand, but buying a home in the city by the bay can be a challenge. The median home value in Frisco is $1.2 million. So that's crazy that you could be in the middle class making 81 to 243. But if you want a crib in San Francisco, you need $1.2 million. That's in, that's literally insane. So it's almost like Frisco is just crazy. Y'all like it's a beautiful city, but it is super crazy on how expensive it is to live there. Let's scroll down here. Um, a lot of cities in Cali. Uh, here's one I thought was interesting. Plano, Texas. So Plano is located in Dallas, Fort Worth, Metroplex. Plano is home to 287,000 residents. The local economy is partly supported by the presence of some big some of the biggest names in banking jp morgan chase capital one bank of america are the three largest employers in plano me and shire short pause here me and shire were really looking in plano before it was before it was like before everybody was looking there like maybe like five six years ago plano and desoto I was looking at both of those and it's very interesting to see the growth that it's, it's, it's had like sometimes, you know, I'm shocked at how things blow up once you like, Oh, what's this? You know, like eventually every city is going to be like, dang, I should have got on that or I should have done invested there when I had the chance, you know what I mean? But anyway, it says, uh, American or America, America, uh, anyway, it says the middle class families here earn between 63 and 190 in Plano, Texas, and they have the lowest average home value of any of those. The cities on this top 10 list at an average of four hundred and eighty seven thousand, which is still kind of kind of high. But. The, to be in their middle class. Is 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 kind of reasonable, like 63,000 to 190. Um, let's look at Chandler, Arizona. Chandler is the third Phoenix area city in the top 10. So Phoenix, there's a lot of Arizona cities and I'm bouncing around this list. The largest uh, employers here include Intel, Wells Fargo, 
and the local school district. Middle class households here earn between 63 and 189 per year, while the average home value in Chandler sits just above Plano at 492, 492,000. So these cities are like kind of kind of coming coming in reasonable, right? I'm thinking anywhere from like 60, 70,000 to 150, 200 at the max. It's kind of middle. It's kind of middle class to me. I mean, just off the top of my head. But some of these cities where you need to make like a hundred plus to be considered middle class, those may be cities you want to steer away from. You know. But what's crazy is a lot of these cities are the coastal cities with the good weather or the bustling cities that everybody wants to be in you know so i find that very interesting that these are also the cities that hey man you got to really be making the bag to live here so as we leave i pose this question what are you doing to a increase your income or b limit your expenses so that the income you have you're not hitting it's hitting a ceiling I think that's important because a lot of times, man, when people talk about this whole six figure thing and I need to make this, these are people who aren't good with their money, right? So if you're not good with your money, you're going to need to make six figures. If you have massive debt, you're going to need that just to keep your head above water. But you'll be surprised talking to somebody who has never hit the six figure mark. Uh, My partner, Shira partner in crime has never hit the six figure mark individually we've never done that and yet we've amassed what i consider to be a pretty good amount of 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 assets and and savings and investments Um, so if you're smart with your money if you're able to limit debt you'd be surprised just how you can live without cracking your head and 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 hitting six figures well i hope you enjoyed this podcast if you did like i said on the front end please leave us a five-star review and let us know that you enjoyed it man just a little message just anything really helps us so thank you thank you thank you and i'm gonna holler at y'all on the next one peace